Chapter Two of the Submarine Boys and the Smugglers by Victor G. Durham. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by John Brandon. Jack meets Skipper Redbeard. I never saw anything as slow as this game, murmured F. disconsolately. Here we've put in a month already along the coast of the Mosquito State and we might as well have stayed at norfolk for all we've learned it's a baffling hunt lieutenant jack admitted with a sigh i hope the navy department understands just how hard we are up against it every day i'm afraid of receiving a telegram ordering us to take the grant back to norfolk tie her up and go on the waiting orders list it wouldn't be so tough put in ensign hal if it weren't for the fact that the smuggling is still going right on uncle sam must stand to lose a lot of money suggested eph if the parcels of smuggled goods are still being shipped to new york without having paid duty yet your dispatches jack state that these parcels are being regularly shipped uncle sam won't lose much in that direction lieutenant benson answered the people who receive these packages and parcels are all of them sleeping over dynamite mines as soon as the government gets ready to act it will swoop down pounce upon these new york people who are receiving smuggled goods and fine them all heavily besides probably sending the offenders to prison the people who are being hurt are we three and myself still more particularly as i happen to be in command secretary sanders picked us out from the whole navy as the three young men who ought to catch the smugglers we aren't making good either if we're recalled we'll be set down as stupid boys and that may be about the last that the navy ever hears about us hang it why can't we have the brains to strike at least a good clue the three young officers had been sitting over their luncheon in the cramped little wardroom of the grant it was hardly larger than a stateroom this tiny little wardroom but as there were three officers required on board this little craft had to have a wardroom in naval terms a wardroom is at once the dining room club room and drawing room of a naval craft from it led a narrow passage with doors opening into two staterooms on either side the fourth was for a medical officer when such happened to be on board on this cruise there was no surgeon nor was it quite correct to speak of doors for the doors had been removed from each of the staterooms and in their place hung woolen portiers this was to save space in the cramped quarters for officers which were aft and of course on a submarine below deck the single waiter on the grant had already been dismissed and the outer door of the passageway bolted so the officers felt that they might talk without danger of being overheard at present the grant lay at anchor in the tiny sand-enclosed bay of boxhaven an inferior summer resort well south 
of atlantic city during nearly all of the month the grant had been off one point or another of the coast of new jersey the public and even the crew believed that the main object of the cruise was drill and practice every day the crew was well worked to keep up this delusion as many visitors as permitted had come on board newspaper men and their photographers had paid many calls and had written or photographed as much on and concerning the grant as the regulations allowed for the grant was the biggest the newest submarine torpedo boat in the american navy and in her class the pride of the navy and of the people lieutenant jack had not been loafing neither had his two ensigns on shore secret service men had endeavored to run down the men who had brought parcels of smuggled goods to express offices but so far without result it's a bit stifling down here said lieutenant jack benson rising at last let's go up on deck they rose passing out into the main cabin where at night the gunner's mate and twelve seamen hung their hammocks as they passed through this cabin the enlisted men gathered their rows and stood at attention until jack commanded carry on up the circular staircase and out through the conning tower stepped the three young officers on the tower platform aft of the tower itself a tiny awning had been spread under the awning there was just room for three chairs for the officers there's a boat pulling off from shore and heading this way murmured f somers maybe the fellow bears a telegram ordering our return to norfolk let's not jest about a crusher that is much too likely to happen begged benson fellows we're feeling the disagreeable side of responsibility more than we ever did before for a carefree life with little besides hard work put in hell commend me to that he's not indicated a small lobster schooner that was even then heading into the bay not far away these men who go out during the evening seldom return before early afternoon yes those chaps are lucky in a way jack admitted the lobster man has a rough hard-working life but he has little more to contend with than work and some danger he doesn't know what it is to have the navy department send him on a hopeless errand and then jerk him up for not having performed the impossible if the secret service men who are at work could only obtain a thread of a clue to start us on perhaps we might do the rest within a very short time it was plain that the small boat was actually heading for the submarine at anchor lieutenant john benson on board asked the man at the oars i am he jack answered telegram for you sir as the boat came alongside benson stepped forward received the sealed envelope and signed the oarsman's book then the young lieutenant went back to his seat it's from the department he announced after a glance at the bottom of the message recalling us asked f dryly i don't know it's in the ordinary cipher i shall have to go below and figure it out 
while he was below hal and eph exchanged barely a dozen words what do you think asked jack his eyes blazing as he came up twenty minutes later and dropped once more into his chair recalled to norfolk there to wait orders i suppose hal drawled nothing like it benson answered the department informs me that three days ago four parcels of smuggled goods were shipped from the boxhaven express office right under our noses hal exclaimed there is no kick from the secretary jack continued evidently he thinks the information in itself is kick enough and he comes mighty close to being right quivered f what in the name of wisdom ails us fellows how are the smugglers managing to fool us right under our noses there is no certainty that the smuggled goods were landed at boxhaven jack benson maintained quietly yet i believe that the secretary thinks we're lying at anchor in the very harbor of the smugglers what's to be done demanded hal hastings after a long pause i don't know jack confessed frankly but i know what i need a long walk down a quiet road and i'm going ashore to have it want any company hal inquired rising with alacrity no we want to keep at least two officers on board if i can't think out anything for myself i'll let you two draw lots to see who shall be the next to go ashore gunner's mate in answer to the last summons the gunner's mate appeared saluting mate have the gig alongside at once very good sir jack benson went promptly below the gig lay alongside when he came on deck again the young commander of the grant was now in summer gray soft flannel shirt flowing tie tan shoes and the same straw hat he had worn in washington in the gig sat the coxswain and four oarsmen to the usual landing jack ordered as he stepped into the gig and the coxswain after saluting gave the order to the men to give way shall we wait for you sir asked the coxswain touching his cap after jack benson had stepped upon the low pier no i will signal when i wish the gig to take me on board as jack benson turned away disappointment showed on the faces of five jackies they had hoped for a little shore leave which was the scarce article on the grant avoiding the streets of the village benson found a country road that ran to the south three hours of that early summer afternoon he had spent trudging along the lonely country roads when he again neared boxhaven the young naval officer was obliged to admit with a nearly discouraged sigh that he appeared to be as far as ever from having any plan of action in mind i hate to go back again aboard the boat and tell hal and eph that i've wasted so much time in shoe leather jack grumbled to himself as he made for the pier not until he had stepped out upon the pier did he realize how absorbed he had been in other matters for he was not on the right pier at all but on one that lay a quarter of a mile south of the usual landing 
the pier on which he now found himself was older smaller shorter alongside at the end lay a small schooner of perhaps fifteen tons burden looking for anybody called a young man on the pier not far from the schooner he looked like a seafaring man i'm strolling about out of curiosity jack replied pleasantly huh was the greeting of the other is this craft a lobster man benson inquired as he went nearer the little schooner not exactly replied the sailor what do you mean by that we do more in fishing than in lobster catching replied the young stranger who did not grow more gracious upon further acquaintance it's pretty hard work on the boats along this coast isn't it benson asked pleasantly as he halted gazing aboard the little schooner sometimes it is half grunted the other is the pay good jack went on it keeps us alive said the stranger rather sulkily now what i can't understand jack went on smilingly is why so many of you young strong husky fearless sea-trained young fellows go on working year in year out until you're old men on these fishing craft why don't you go into the navy where there is fine pay and every chance in the world for young fellows with the right stuff in them ha huh, growled the stranger i reckon you don't know much about the navy do you jack challenged pleasantly know all i wanter about it grunted the young seafarer well what have you against the navy pressed lieutenant jack who was never so contentedly employed as when trying to convince young americans that they ought to enlist i've got everything against it retorted the ungracious stranger but what in particular insisted benson the officers for one thing came the sullen answer what's wrong with the officers lieutenant jack inquired why they're the most all-fired stuck-up lot of dudes you ever saw replied the sulky one with a scowl they just strut about and give orders and the poor sailors have to go to touching their caps and scraping their feet and acting like so many jumping jacks else they get in the brig an officer gets down on some sailor who doesn't throw quite enough soft soap or palaver and that sailor might as well be dead that officer just spends his spare time after that lying about the poor jackie and getting him into trouble i guess you've never seen anything of the real life of the navy retorted jack benson sternness creeping into his voice if you've heard anything at all about the navy you've heard it from some deserter now a sailor who'll break his oath and desert is hardly to be believed on any point whatever huh if you had followed the sea more and had met as many jackies as i have retorted the young man you'd have a different idea about the navy i know the pay is good enough but i make more money anyway than the fellers in the navy do so i'm not interested in signing on in the navy but you seem to have a very queer idea of the officers jack pursued they're a mean and stuck-up lot the seafarer retorted with some heat they're almost as bad as the revenue officers so you don't like the officers in the revenue cutter service either jack inquired i hate em flared the other what did the officers in the revenue cutter service ever do to you asked jack benson looking straight in the other's face nothing 
but i hate em just the same retorted the young seafarer a brisk step sounded behind them want anything on this pier young man hailed a heavy hoarse brusque voice jack turned leisurely to survey the speaker who proved to be a heavily built man of medium height with tousled tow-coloured hair a somewhat reddish beard and a still redder face his apparel was very ordinary but the visored blue cap on his head completed the idea that he was a follower of the sea jack's mind at once placed the man who was about forty years old as the skipper of the schooner as jack benson continued to stare at him the red-faced man began to look angry i asked you young man he bellowed if you want anything out on this pier i strolled along jack replied politely took a look at your schooner if it is your craft and had a bit of a talk with this young man and then if that was all your business here you're through aren't you demanded the red-bearded man i'm through jack conceded if you own this pier and don't want me here maybe your room would be just as good as your company retorted the red-faced one if you really want me to go then of course i'll go jack agreed but i didn't know that you felt any need of secrecy here at mention of the word secrecy there came a change in the face of the red-bearded man it was a fleeting change gone in an instant don't get fresh around places where you've no business young man he retorted turning he stepped aboard the schooner come on and tend to your business jake he called to the young seafarer in a tone that proclaimed him master of the schooner into jack benson's mind had come a sudden determination to seem a bit stubborn and see what came of it so he turned his back on the schooner but still loitered on the pier a minute later the red-bearded man stepped heavily over the side of the schooner coming straight toward benson young man are you going to get off this pier or are you not why should i jack asked coolly because i've told you that you ain't wanted here do you call that a good reason jack inquired with a smile it's good enough for me bellowed the wrathful skipper but quite possibly not good enough for me jack rejoined why have you taken a notion to be disagreeable to me anyway am i doing you any harm here am i doing anything that interferes with your rights will you get off the pier or shall i grab you by the coat collar and run you off demanded the irate skipper neither jack answered then you won't get off not until i'm ready unless you offer me a good reason why i should go earlier i've got two good reasons and they're right here bawled the skipper raising his heavy fists toward jack now are you going your reasons aren't quite big enough jack laughed quietly they aren't hey demanded the skipper advancing we'll see about that with both hands he made a dive for jack's collar but benson stepped nimbly out of the way as the heavy skipper turned to follow him jack thrust out one of his feet that trip brought the skipper down with such force that his fall jarred the pier timbers 
i'll pay you back for that roared the skipper getting lumberingly onto his feet while jack smiled provokingly at him this time two sledgehammer fists milled at the boy's head but jack benson was no amateur in boxing sea life had taught him much in this line without giving an inch of ground he parried the ugly blows until he saw his chance to drive in a blow that floored the skipper jake bellowed the skipper as he started to rise to his feet bring a couple of belaying pins and we'll attend to this city dude's case if you're wise jake benson called warningly you'll remain right where you are if i have to defend myself i'll soon begin to get rough and mix things up the two of you won't be enough to whip me and you'll both have broken heads before you're through with me jake who had watched the fight up to date was inclined to agree that this very thing might happen so though he had snatched up a pair of belaying pins he now halted at the schooner's rail coming you jake demanded the skipper hoarsely no he isn't jack benson retorted jake has more sense than you have and he doesn't want to get a broken head in another man's stupid quarrel are you going to get off this pier demanded the skipper not until i'm quite ready benson answered if you had been civil i would have gone at once now i'm going to suit my own convenience and pleasure let me give you a bit of advice my man don't be so quick with your fists for you're almost certain to run up against a better boxer than yourself you don't know the least thing about real fist fighting go on your craft and cool off and presently i'll stroll off the pier as i strolled onto it i'll see you again growled the skipper wrathfully as he turned i'll settle this with you too lieutenant benson smiled but did not answer in words for three or four minutes after the skipper had vanished into the schooner's cabin benson dallied on the pier at last he turned and walked away outwardly benson was cool enough but inwardly he was far from calm gracious he muttered i really believe i've hit upon something that will be well worth watching that young sailor let it out that he disliked the officers of the revenue cutter service and then he was confused when i asked him what he had against the revenue service then his captain as soon as i mentioned the word secrecy looked mighty strange for an instant why may not that schooner be the smuggler as well as any other craft some vessel along the new jersey coast is doing the smuggling and that schooner the velvet which i've seen a dozen times may be the very craft i won't go back to the grant just yet i'll take dinner at one of the hotels eat slowly think fast and maybe ask a few questions around the village this may lead to something really great in the line that we've been hunting strolling up the principal waterfront street outwardly wholly placid lieutenant jack benson stopped at the bel-air the best summer hotel in the place here meals were served on two side verandas taking out a table 
jack seated himself to enjoy a shore dinner and his own thoughts while we leave him momentarily thus engaged let us glance briefly at jack benson's previous exploits and those of his two friends in the service hal hastings and f somers all our readers recall the first volume of this series the submarine boys on duty in this was told how jack benson and hal hastings two boys wandering about in search of a living came to the little seaport town where jacob farnham shipbuilder and david pollard inventor were constructing the first of the subsequently famous farnham pollard submarines how jack and hal tried with all their might to secure employment with the builders and how f somers subsequently joined them is well known all their first steps in patiently mastering the details of life and work on a diving torpedo boat are told in this first volume as well as the amazing adventures that befell them in the second volume the submarine boys trial trip we found our three young friends working night and day to become experts in their most unusual calling the details the awful perils and the rousing plot unfolded have not yet escaped the recollection of any of our readers in the submarine boys and the middies we found our young friends so far masters of their work that they were sent to the u s naval academy at annapolis to serve as civilian instructors to the brigade of midshipmen in the mysteries of handling the farnham pollard submarines with the midshipmen jack hal and f had some wonderfully amusing adventures and shared some of the most startling dangers of the deep then in the fourth volume the submarine boys and the spies we found our young friends exposed to the cleverest work of the spies of different foreign governments all of these spies doing their level best to penetrate the mysteries of the farnham pollard submarines jack hal and f in fact more than once came within an ace of losing their lives in their efforts to thwart clever and dangerous spies it was a stirring tale of adventure of the best type as all our readers will remember the submarine boys lightning cruise dealt with incidents even more exciting and attended by very different circumstances the plot unfolded was one to arouse the patriotism of an american boy and to gratify his craving for the most thrilling adventures all through these varied and truly wonderful adventures the three lads by constant application to their work had made themselves more complete masters of their chosen profession in the volume preceding this present one the submarine boys for the flag we found our lads recognized as being in many respects among the best informed authorities on the handling of submarine craft and especially of the farnham pollard type of which the united states now owned many foreign governments now try to secure the services of the submarine boys outright offering them advantageous positions in foreign navies the train of adventures related in this narrative finally placed the three in brief command of a united states naval craft under direct authority from washington such excellent work did they now perform that all three 
in order to keep them in the united states service were offered positions as acting officers of the navy jack benson's appointment was as acting lieutenant junior grade while hal and f were appointed as acting ensigns all three of the boys being too young to receive actual commissions from the president were promised commissions as each reached the age of twenty-one and now let us return to that keen young follower of the sea lieutenant jack benson whom we shall find finishing his solitary dinner on the porch of the hotel bel-air as we approach him again we find him pondering earnestly on the meaning if any of the conduct of the two men at the schooner's pier end of chapter two recording by john brandon